We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today is a special day. We've been talking about it for a little bit of time, um, but we are finally here. A couple months back, uh, we had our 100th Brotherhood Breakfast, and uh, one of the things that we did was uh, really kind of look back at what Brotherhood has been or, or the origins of Brotherhood and kind of celebrating the moment, because it's, a, what, eight years, seven, eight years of, uh, of men's ministry or, or however you want to classify it. Um, but I, I think one of the things that we kind of all walked away from, or at least I walked away from was, uh, you know, sitting there and going, okay, like, this is great. This is grown. This is a celebration. But, um, one of the things when you think about church on the move is, you know, taking that next step and, and looking at the future of kind of where things are going. Did God lead us here so that we could have a breakfast and have this community or, you know, where is he taking us to? And so I think that, uh, this podcast is a really cool opportunity for us to pull back the curtain, look a little bit into the future, dream a little bit. We're not going to hold uh, everything in this podcast to being something that has to happen, but we are hopeful that it does. And so today I have on the podcast, this is a long intro, I apologize, but a long <laughs> uh, a longtime brotherhood guy. I believe he actually is the brotherhood pastor, if, that, if there's such a thing. So we're excited about that. So I have Lee here today to talk about the future of brotherhood, to talk about kind of where we're going uh, and really celebrate some of the stuff. So we'll, we'll jump into that a little bit. But Lee, welcome to the podcast. So excited for you to be here and uh, say hello to everybody. Thanks, Evan. I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this. You've been trying to get this scheduled for a while and I'm glad that we finally got to do it. And big thanks to you and to Matt and those of you who put in the time to do this podcast. I know that we got a lot of listeners from all over and uh, man, I'm honored to get to do this. I don't, I mean, maybe Johnny Hampton would argue with me, but you're not going to find anybody that's more passionate about what's going on with brotherhood than I am. This is, I wake up in the morning thinking about this. You cut me, I bleed this. Um, I absolutely love this discussion today. And so, uh, man, let's get into it. Where, where do you want to start? Well, it sounds like we need to have like a boxing match of some kind between you and Johnny for the title of like most committed to brotherhood. I like that. That sounds um, good. So, so we'll, I, I think that's something that we can, <laughs> we can, put, <laughs> we can arrange put into the book. cage match. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll have the odds up there. Uh, do you know how many weights you are in stones? I don't know if you've looked <laughs> I, I, into that. I don't. I don't know my stone weight, but uh, too much probably. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, then we have the right person on. Uh, we can probably do a separate one with Johnny and, and kind of talk a little bit there too. But um, I, I what the, really what I just kind of want to start off with is maybe a little bit of recap of of, of some of the things we talked about in the, the 100th breakfast. But what, what do you see brotherhood as today? Like I feel like um, brotherhood started as a – it was just like a sections thing where it was just a breakfast that came together. But it, it's, it's definitely grown. So I, I would love to see – right now, like kind of how you view brotherhood right now. So what, what is the current state of brotherhood or, or what is brother? How would you describe brotherhood to somebody right yeah, now? Yeah. So, um, you know, brotherhood really is the convergence of two movements that I think God was orchestrating about a decade ago, honestly. And you and I had a long podcast interview a couple of years ago about Mountain Men, a nonprofit that 
that myself and my best friend Brian Job started about a decade ago. And you know, God's hand was in that, and it it was it's just a it's a nonprofit ministry that we groups of guys go and climb mountains. Uh, if you want to know more about that, you can listen to that on previous podcast. But God was really doing something unique uh, within Mountain Men. We were just kind of watching it. It wasn't something that we had had a vision for or planned for. We were just kind of making room for guys to grow in relationship with each other and grow in relationship with God. And it was it was happening in like amazing ways. On a parallel path over here, Johnny Hampton and Mark Marquin, out of their section of the auditorium, they said, hey, what if we just had a breakfast where the guys in our section could get together and, you know, just encourage each other and maybe do a Bible study or just whatever. Let's see where this goes. Just an environment where we could share testimonies. And, uh, and you know, they started, anybody that knows the story of the men's breakfast, they started in a Jimmy's Egg in a little private dining area. And it was so cool for the men in that section. They loved it that other guys in other sections um, said, hey, we want to come and be a part of that or we want to start our own. And eventually the way we did sections in the auditorium kind of changed, but the breakfast already had momentum and it just kept growing and growing. And so you had these two paths of God doing something among men. They were very different. The mountain men process was like a deep dive commitment over six or eight months. The 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 breakfast was a, hey, come one, come all. Whoever wants to come, be a part of this. And it just kept growing quickly. Bo- both of them actually did. And so a few years ago, the the men's breakfast had grown to hundreds. The mountain men ministry had grown to hundreds. There was tons of overlap between the two of those. Uh, lots of guys that had been on mountain men trips were a part of the breakfast. Lots of guys that were part of the breakfast had been on mountain men trips. Johnny and Mark were very connected to mountain men. Myself and a lot of our mountain men leaders are very connected to uh, the breakfast. Um, me, obviously, as a pastor at the church. And so we said, okay, there's something really special here happening among men that is more than just a breakfast. And it's more than just guys going to climb big mountains in Colorado. And so out of that was born this idea of what would it look like um, for what God is doing in both of these quote unquote ministries uh, to be much broader than that. And that kind of brings us to today. Um, in Mountain Men, we had always used the name brotherhood. And I think that's really key for, for, for talking about this right now. When people ask me, what is brotherhood? I say, I don't want to call It's certainly not a program of Church on the Move. That is not what it is. And I would even hesitate, and I do hesitate to say it's a ministry of church on the move, like a ministry category. That is technically true, but what brotherhood actually is, is in the name. It's a it's a brotherhood. It's a fraternity of men who have said, you know what? I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of a group of men who are number one, pursuing Jesus, asking questions about what does it look like for me as a man, whether I'm a husband, whether I'm a dad, whether I'm not yet married, I'm trying to build a career, whatever stage of life I'm in, what does it look like for me to walk as a Jesus follower? And secondly, how do I do that in the company of other men who want the same thing? Because we all know that makes it both more, it, it makes it both easier and more fun when we can pursue something together. That's why we love team sports so much. Like, I've always said I'd much rather win the Super Bowl than win the Masters. Winning the Masters would be great, but you're the only one on the podium. Winning the Super Bowl, your brothers are beside you. There's a celebration that's different 
when you've accomplished it together. And so there's this pursuit of Jesus, but the pursuit of Jesus in communion, in harmony, in friendship with other men. And so that's kind of where we find ourselves. And brotherhood just keeps, even though those are the the core tenets, kind of the, the founding principles of brotherhood, it keeps evolving. I mean, we, we've got, we're seeing between four and 500 men at the breakfast uh, at 6.45 a.m., uh, once a month, the first Friday of the month. That's incredible to have that many guys showing up, filling a huge fellowship hall. But it's more than that now. We're having 200 plus men on Wednesday nights every week for this for the last 11 weeks, um, diving into a book called Rooted, where in circles, we're getting better when it comes to spiritual disciplines and how to walk out our faith a much more focused and intentional time than just what we can do at the breakfast. Mountain Men continues to grow, and so many of the Brotherhood guys are a part of that. We had a you know shootout, clay shootout, clay pigeon shootout thing the other day where we had 60 to 80 guys show up to that, so just fun activities. There's a lot of explicit things that Brotherhood does, but then there are a lot of implicit things that have to do with our culture and what we're known for. So I don't know if that exactly answers the question. I would say... Looking at brotherhood right now is looking at something that is moving, that is evolving, but I believe is coming is becoming continually more impactful and beneficial for the individuals involved, as well as for the fam the marriages, the families, the churches, the communities of those uh, where where these men are connected. So that's kind of the way I would describe it. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that, that's great. I, I think it it does help paint the picture uh, for for guys who are, are a part of it. I I, I do want to kind of emphasize uh, some of the things that you're saying in, in the sense that like I always want to think of brotherhood as more than the breakfast. I feel like the breakfast is kind of mm-hmm. like the it's the tool. It's the it's the mountain of uh, of, of mountain men. It's the excuse to get together in, mm-hmm. and, and go in that fraternity yep. together. Um, but it, it I'm I'm seeing it, and I believe others are seeing it <clears throat> continue to evolve uh, into community. And I think that that's one of the things that mm-hmm. uh, you know when you when you look at uh, the pursuit of Christ, it is meant to be done in community. And I think especially guys today. Are are looking for outlets for that to happen. Um, they're looking for the excuses. I, you know, it's easy for me to say, "Hey, I'm going to go over to Lee's house and watch a football game." It's not easy for me to say, "I'm going to go to Lee's house and I'm going to talk about, you know, my struggle with sin and my my struggle with, you know, addiction or, or whatever mm-hmm. else." And and it's like in that community we create a safe place. I, I love that you brought up the rooted group because I think that is a good example of it's a mid-sized group. It's not it's not you know people going over to indiv- individuals people's houses. But it creates relationship, and uh, it it, mm-hmm. it it localizes brotherhood. Um, and so, I, I want to kind of piggyback on that. One of the questions I had is like, how do you get the most out of brotherhood today? Like, what 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 does that look like? But I also want to tie that a little bit into like the the concept of table hosts because I I don't feel like we talk about table hosts a lot. Um, I, I think people walk into the breakfast and they see the tables there and they see the different names of whether businesses or individuals that have sponsored a table. But I don't know that people really understand what the vision for that is and, and, and what what that is like on a granular level for, for, for Brotherhood. So can you talk a little bit about what a table sponsor is and, and like how, how like you could potentially make Brotherhood more personal to your uh, Brotherhood? Yeah, I would love to because honestly, I think table hosts 
table sponsors are kind of the unsung heroes of the Brotherhood Breakfast. When Johnny told me about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, that somewhere between 50 and 60% every month of our tables are paid for by table mm-hmm. hosts. I mean, I, I did not realize the number was that big, meaning that about half of these 70, 80 tables, however many tables we have at the breakfast, um, are being paid for by one individual, uh, a business owner. Uh, I mean, gosh, I've got a friend, Dan Aller, who he buys a table every time and he invites different people, people from his work, his brother-in-law, his cousin, like he, he just wants to see men come and, and dip their toe in the water of what the breakfast is. Because like you said, Evan, the breakfast, I consider the breakfast our widest funnel. If we want to see men dive into what the brotherhood is, there's really no easier ask than to just say to a guy, hey, I, 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 you want to come to this breakfast? It's really good. Bacon, eggs, biscuits and gravy, the whole thing. And I'll pay for your ticket. <laughs> There's not a lot of reason for a guy to be like, nope, I'm not going to do that. Most guys, most guys, if their schedule allows it, are going to say, yeah, sure, I'll come to the breakfast. And and so it's this wide funnel to invite guys in. But something that these table hosts, I think, have have figured out or that they have embraced, even if they, whether they consciously know it or not, is something that we talked about just in our rooted group last night, Evan, and that is that I believe one of the key tenets one of the key principles and ideas of brotherhood is not just that when we pursue Jesus, our lives go better, because I believe that's true. doesn't mean we don't face opposition whenever we're following Jesus, but ultimately, Jesus knows most what we long for, what we need, and he is the author of our purpose. And if we can discover that, man, there's no better way to live than on that adventure. That's great for us, but I don't think it stops there. I don't think Jesus just saves us from something. He saves us for something. And maybe more in particular, he saves us for other people. He saves us for the benefit of our wife, for the benefit of our children, for the benefit of others. And I think what these table sponsors do is they make a sacrifice. They they pay a, a chunk of money every month in order to make it possible to facilitate that there's empty chairs that can be filled with guys who maybe otherwise wouldn't be there that can be exposed not just to maybe a message about hope in Jesus or a message about how to to be a better dad or to be a better husband, that's beneficial, but maybe more so to be introduced, come into a room like that and to look around and go, man, like there's a lot of guys here that uh, seem to be friends. They seem to like each other. They seem to help each other. A lot of guys don't have any of that in their life. They're competing with other people at work. They're isolated, they're busy. And just the exposure to, wow, I could be a part of something bigger than myself that might be a benefit to me and to other people. I can't tell you, and I'm sure you have this happen too, Evan, how many guys are just like, man, this is awesome. Now, we're used to it. We've been doing Brotherhood Breakfast for a long time. We're like, yeah, it happens every every you know first Friday of the month, and we love it and whatever. But to see in a guy's eyes that's there for the first time and go, I can't believe that this is happening here in my city. And so... What those table sponsors do is they make it possible. They make the the barrier of entry so simple for a guy to have that first introduction to the brotherhood, which is ultimately the desire is it would be his first introduction to a relationship with God that has eternal consequences and generational consequences. Like it's a big deal. But if his first impression through a table host is, 
you know what? I like this. I need this. I wonder if there's something here for me that I'm looking for. Man, that's a that's a much bigger deal than what I think we realize. Even some of the guys that just buy a table and invite the guys from their work, they may just feel like they're being nice. You know, they may just feel like, well, you know, I love Johnny and and Lee and and yeah, I'll buy a table. But what they're really doing is something of spiritual significance. Now, that's the practical side. But I quickly want to say what a lot of these table sponsors do is they invite men into community around those tables as well. It's not just facilitating a guy to be there and to have a, a first impression or, or an invitation in, but also community begins there. The conversation that happens before the before the program even starts, I say the program, the stuff we do on stage, the speaker, whatever, before that even starts, there's conversations of just men going, hey, what do you do for a living? Hey, I, I'm, I'm in that same industry or, or did you see the game last night? And there, just community starts to happen there. And here's what breaks my heart is statistics show as well as the anecdotal evidence that I have of dealing with lots and lots of men, most men don't have any truly healthy beneficial relationships. Mm. And um, that's huge. It, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's huge. Uh, our pastor, our student pastor, our 180 pastor, his name is Greg Scott. He's been at Church in the Move for a long time. He sent me this YouTube video. It's like a seven minute song. It's like a compilation of all these artists, but uh, it's all about like the challenges that a man faces. Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll post it on here or the link to it or whatever. And when it first I would started, like you I was to like, just this seems sing it cheesy. if you could, Lee. We got oh you no you do not want that <laughs> you do not want that. I don't even know who any of these artists are. I like I'm sure my my son would probably know who they are because they're all kind of young and hip, and they're Christian artists. You can tell that from the lyrics. But basically, it, it's a song about all the challenges that men face, and it's kind of heartbreaking. It's talking about men commit suicide more than, than any other group and, and and men are underappreciated and expected to do things on their own. And it's like all this stuff, I'm like, man, there's a lot of truth in this. And what do we do as men? We just, we just man up and power through. I mean, that's what we do. Just man up and keep going and um, creating a, an environment where a guy can just take a deep breath and be real and realize he's with other brothers that understand what life is like for a man, for a husband and a dad and a guy who works 50 hours a week. And, you know, like that there's something significant to that. And those table hosts are the primary, primary reason that Brotherhood Breakfast is where it is now. And so, um, man, anybody that has considered that, it's more than just, you know, the Brotherhood getting more guys in seats. It's it's a lot more spiritually eternally significant than that does that answer your question it does I, I i wanted to hit on a couple of points um in terms of kind of what i see it as but i'm also curious like yeah. from a, a higher level because it kind of blows me away sometimes i mean it's an it's an investment it's a i think it's like a 120 dollars for a table which in the grand scheme of things is a lot of money and not a lot of money uh when you when you really break it down right. but I, I do think it's awesome that these guys are willing to step up and say hey i'm going to create um you know this this low path of entry to, to, uh, create community with you. And it's just, I, I'm just gonna, I'm basically inviting you to breakfast and, and I'm inviting you to breakfast with you know, some other guys. And so that's usually what gets people in the door. <clears throat> and, um, I, I think the, the bigger part of that though, is and even, and even like if you are a table sponsor and you haven't met necessarily like embraced really what the true opportunity is, is that's an, that's an invitation for community 
of your own individual brotherhood. And I, I've, I've mentioned it before. It's like when, you, when I think of brotherhood, I, I think of you know, some of the guys that lead brotherhood. But those guys that lead brotherhood cannot, cannot be in like intimate brotherhood with every single guy there. There's just too many people. And that's, that's where having a table and, and having that individual community within brotherhood uh, I, I think is really, really important. And the other side of it too is like I know there's probably a lot of guys that are looking around going, man, I, I wish I wish I was at a table. Like I'm I'm a, I'm always on the table on the outskirts, right? And um, I would I would mm-hmm. say that uh, to tie in a little bit to what we're talking about right now um, in the season at church is the missio day, the the mission of God, and that's really, in my opinion, a, a low uh, barrier of entry to walk out that mission of God on, on an individual level. It's, it's creating that opportunity to basically say, okay, like I know that I need this community, but if I don't have that community yet, I can build this community. And so my challenge to, mm-hmm. to those that would be listening is, is like, Hey, if you're constantly going to the brotherhood and you're usually just an individual ticket person, um, which nothing wrong with that. You know, we, we love you guys to come. I would say consider that next step. Consider that step of saying, okay, I'm I'm willing to take responsibility for my own brotherhood or to create my own brotherhood. And guess what? You you might get turned down. You might have people that that don't show. Uh, you might have people that are, are interested and, and decline and you're constantly pursuing them. I know one guy, I think he invites like 30 guys, 30 guys a, a month. Mm-hmm. And and but he'll fill a table with eight. But in some cases, he has to invite 30. But one of the things that I have seen, especially like as I've invited people, is that comment afterwards, which was, I need that. I needed this. I, or I need, I know I need something mm-hmm. like this. And so what I would in, in, encourage you to, to do is like that part is worth the uncomfortability of in, invitation, the uncomfortability of, uh, you know, should I, should I make this financial investment in, in potentially building a table? Because if you're looking around and saying, man, I need that community, I, I feel like brotherhood creates the environment for it, but I don't have my own individual brotherhood. That should be that stirring uh, to you to stay, say, maybe I need to step up and, and be that table leader. Maybe I need to step up and, and invite people uh, to come to brotherhood. Because if I do that, then I'm actually tapping into what, what we believe is the mission of God, which is, you know, going into all the world, make disciples, um, and, and introduce people to the real Jesus, which is a core value of, uh, and core mission of, of church on the moon. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so true, man. I, I love that, Evan. And I, I think one of the things that I notice even in our rooted group, because our, our rooted mid-sized group looks a lot like the breakfast, just a little bit smaller, about half the size. But if you go into a big room like that and you see a ton of guys, especially if you're new, you can certainly feel like an outsider, but it's around those tables that you begin to become an insider. And it's neat. I think it's kind of twofold. It's neat to see how many men are engaged with this. So it's like, this is kind of a place to be. Look at all these guys that want to be a part of this. I think maybe I want to be a part of this if this many guys are here. But the smaller table, the table of seven or eight guys, that's where there's belonging can happen because it's very hard to belong to a group of 250 yeah. guys but it's much easier to connect and belong at a table of six or seven or eight guys and so um i like that about the breakfast and about our mid-sized groups is that you've kind of got the best of both worlds there you've got man this is big there's movement there's energy here but also i'm not just a number i'm not just another face in the crowd because of the men that i'm around the table with yeah well, I, I think that uh, specifically in the rooted small group, 
that's that's where more of the relationship happens. I, I feel like in the breakfast, especially at that early in the mm-hmm. morning, there's not a lot of time before and a lot of times after everyone's got to get to work. So the community park, I mean, it's it's there. I do see a lot of guys that stick around afterwards. And so I, I, I think that that part is, uh, you know, social proof, if you will, that guys are yearning for that kind of stuff that they're willing to stick around and in some cases help tear down. Yep. But in other cases, they're just man, they're just ke- catching up with their brothers, which I, which I think is awesome. But, uh, you know, for the small group part of it, like that allows us to go deeper. It, it's a it's a consistency of familiarity that leads to relationship. And then ultimately, I'm going to say intimacy, which doesn't sound right, but I, I think that's the right word for it, where you have that uh, that space where you can be vulnerable uh, and talk about mm-hmm. maybe your struggles, talk about some of the things that you've been dealing with, all those things you talked about that you're suppressing, that it creates an outlet for you where it's safe to say, okay, I'm going to let some of this angst out. I'm going to let some of this anger out. I'm going to let some of these things out so that it, like I don't have to, and recognize I don't have to dwell on it. And in some cases, there's guys that are going to come alongside you and say, guy, I've been there. I've walked through that. Here's here's yeah. how here's how I was able to deal with that. And so just just having that having that environment and having that um that space to to take uh brotherhood a little bit deeper is why I wanted to have this conversation because it's like all right brotherhood mm-hmm. has has grown and now we got some of the small groups and stuff and and I I see the value there. I want to put our little, you know, vision casting hat on now and maybe look a little bit more into the future because I feel like, you know, some cases it's like, oh, well we need to have a conference and be a global organization and we need to go around in stadiums mm-hmm. and you know and and uh, and and go around <laughs> and do all this stuff. And I don't think it's that, but I do think that there is, you know, potential for a, another step in terms of where brotherhood's going. Mm-hmm. So what what are some of the things that, you know, maybe have been brewing in in your role? that you've said, you know, Hey, this is, this is something that I'd love to see go. And, and there's a reason I'm asking this because, um, brotherhood started by guys that were willing to step up and take ownership of their section or take ownership of their community. And I'm not saying that this necessarily has to be like brotherhood itself creating this, but maybe some of the things that we talk about, there's, as it encourages somebody to say, you know what, I would like to see that. And I would like to be a guy that leads into that or step into that. And so, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to talk broad here. This is, this is not necessarily something that we're saying is happening, but I'd love to see you cast a little bit of vision of, of what could be. And maybe we serve some guys and this is the, 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 you know, the, the catalyst for, for making those things happen. Yeah. I'd love to, cause there's a few things that are just kind of, burning in my heart about what's next for brotherhood. And so I'll just lay out a couple of those. One has to do with the conversation we just had, and that is what could we do moving forward, especially moving into 2024 um, to make sure every table um, at the breakfast in particular uh, has uh, men who have chosen to step up and say, I will act as a table host, whether or not I pay for the table or not. Let me explain what I mean by that. There may be guys that are saying, you know, financially, I'm not able to drop the 120, 125 every month to like have seven empty chairs with me. But what I am able to do is own a table and say, I'm going to be at that table every single first Friday of the month in 2024. And anybody that comes there, I'm going to be the catalyst to make them feel seen, uh, invite them back, follow up with them with a text and take them to coffee if that's something that they'd be interested in. I think that stuff has been happening just intuitively with a lot of 
just leaders that we have or guys that get it or guys that have been changed by the brotherhood and they just do it naturally. But what bothers me, and I'm sure it bothers you, I know it does, Johnny, is that you, like you said, there are still those tables around the edges where guys show up for the first time and they end up sitting down with a group of guys they don't know. And, and unless there's somebody there that says, hey, I'm glad you're here. I want to know your name. <laughs> I want to know what you do for a living. Are you married? Like just having this sense of the culture of brotherhood being at every single table, not just the tables that are purchased by uh, the incredible men that can afford to do that. Um, I think that's a next step in the evolution of the breakfast in particular. And then instead of, and I know it's always like this to a certain extent, but instead of there just being like this, this inner core where that stuff is really happening on a major, you know, significant, consistent level, and then the rings that go out from that, it's happening a little less or a little less. I think it just expands our core where we've got intentionality. And I think that's an important word as I think about the future of brotherhood. We've got intentionality at a broader scale than just the guys who kind of do that naturally. Um, and what does that mean? It means a lot what you said right now. That means men stepping up because you're right. The, re the way we got here was a handful of guys and maybe more than a handful, but a certain number of guys that said, you know what? I will sacrifice. I will go all in. I will do my part. I will bring what I have to the table to see this thing thrive and flourish. And I think in order to expand and scale, um, we're going to have to see more guys go, okay, I'm all in. I'm going to be at every single breakfast this year, and I'm going to own a table. Even if I don't purchase all the seats, I'm going to own that table. And there's going to be stories that are coming out of my table, out of the guys that show up for the first time that sit at my table that are life change stories for them. And so that's one of the steps that I want to see us take that I'm that I'm kind of dreaming about. And that involves development. It involves training because uh, that, that's that's how guys feel confident to, to do that sort of thing. Um we have, as you know, Evan moved into these mid-sized groups, in particular in the fall, but um, also a little bit beyond that. And that's been great. Like my vision is that we continue to expand specifically the fall mid-sized group, but but even in, in, in some other areas as well. The, the year one degree program, which is guys discovering their purpose, kind of the way God has orchestrated their life to do something really significant in the kingdom. A lot of guys are kind of wondering about that. They do have a career, but is that career meant to be parlayed for kingdom stuff? Can it be? Is is what they're going to do as a disciple of Jesus outside of their career? How much time can they devote to that? The program like Year One Degree just kind of helps you dial in on how to live to the fullest as a disciple of Jesus. And and we've got several other programs, Katheros and and purpose master mastermind and lots of different stuff that that guys can take steps that go from the breakfast the big funnel to something that's going to develop them even more here's how i feel about the future and here's how i feel about growth i believe that healthy things grow i believe that god has a growth mindset that even from the garden he's he invited adam and eve to be partners with him in the project of flourishing. He said, be fruitful. He said, multiply, work the earth, like, like bring the best out of this planet and out of this creation. And so God has this growth mindset. And I think it's our job 
to, to strike that balance, and this is, this is my heart for, for our brotherhood, strike that balance between how we are growing as a brotherhood uh, spiritually and relationally, and how we're growing via expansion, you know, making more room for more guys. And there has to be a balance of that, because if, if we only grow by expansion and say, how big of a room could we feel, fill for the breakfast? That's probably not the greatest goal. Um, it would be cool to have a thousand guys show up at a breakfast and we have to rent a facility. That, that'd be awesome. But I don't think that's the primary goal. I think the primary goal is that we would have a culture and an ethos that's so attractive that when men get invited into it, they, they, they are drawn to it. They want to be a part of it. But if our only goal is expansion, we'll start to lose the secret sauce. We'll start to lose the 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 core of what we're known for. And so when I think about that, I'm like, I'm not interested in doubling in size, lest that be God's will. And, he, and there's a way for us to do that. That's not my primary goal. My primary goal is that we would continue to grow healthy in such a way that men would want to invite others into it. And that would, that that's how expansion would happen. The real expansion, I think, for brotherhood, and I don't know if this is interesting to our listeners or not, but I think the real expansion for brotherhood is helping other churches duplicate what God has shown us here. Now, that's easy for me to say because I'm the brotherhood pastor. I work at the church. I'm the co-founder of Mountain Men, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure. That that that's Lee has a, a vision that goes beyond just Tulsa or beyond our church. But I actually think everybody that's involved with brotherhood right now, you are in the middle of a laboratory. Guys that are connected with, with brotherhood, you're in the middle of this Petri dish where God is actually real time showing us things about how to do effective ministry for men, effective discipleship for men in a time and a culture where it's really, really needed. And I, I just think a lot of the guys that are engaged in brotherhood don't realize kind of the project that they are a part of right now. We are learning by the guidance of the Holy Spirit how this works and how it works effectively. And the crazy thing is there are churches, big and small, all over the country and all over the world who are not learning what we're learning. And they're coming to, to me, to Johnny, to Brian, to, to our church and saying, how are you guys doing this with men? We, we don't feel like we're engaging men. We don't feel like we're connecting with men. We don't feel like men really want to be a part. And we're going, oh, 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 wait till you see what God has shown us. We're not brilliant. It's just God has shown us some things as we said yes. And when I think about the reach of brotherhood, yes, we're going to keep growing here in Tulsa. I think brotherhood is going to keep growing at Church on the Move. But I think the real eternal legacy of what's happening right now is going to be that other churches, other ministry organizations, other parts of the world are going to say, man, how do we do this? And we're going to be able to take this laboratory that God's given us and show them, share with them what we've learned and that this movement goes way beyond um, just Tulsa, just church on the move. And so when I, th that's the thing that gets me most excited. And I, and I know for our listener, they may go, well, I won't be a part of that. No, no. If you're a part of brotherhood, you, you are an active part of it right now. <laughs> like, cause, cause we're learning this together. And as we learn it, we're sharing it with other people who are hungry for what God is doing among men. And so those are some of the things that, that I'm dreaming about. We've got some stuff next year. That's just like fun stuff. Uh, we're talking about doing just a brotherhood golf tournament that's not a fundraiser or anything, just like a way for guys that are good at golf and hackers to 
hang out, enjoy a day on the golf course. I mean, we, we got some new things coming up that, that I think will go beyond just the breakfast and the mid-sized groups. But uh, the thing that I'm most excited about is a really kind of how we're growing spiritually as a brotherhood and then how that's going to impact other churches. And, and like you said, Evan, I think that probably means that either next year or probably I would guess 2025 is my target, that we would have a conference um, that yes, is, is for any man, but I think a conference where a lot of other church leaders are going to want to come and experience what God has been showing us. And Church on the Move has always had that reputation, whether it was kids on the move back in the day that, that helped other churches with child, children's ministry, whether it was 180 when it got off the ground, helped other churches with student ministry, whether it was our high level of production and and the arts that Wit led, our pastor, lead pastor now, Wit led that uh, years ago, helped tons of churches through a conference called Seeds. I think Brotherhood is going to be in that same lineage of helping men, helping churches reach men in a genuine and significant way. Okay, I'll stop there. No, that's I, I, I'm just uh, I'm soaking it all in, and I, I think that that's probably. Um, I think that's where, where people kind of see it going. Cause I, I think the guys in the room that don't necessarily, or even people just, you know, tune in the podcast cause they enjoy the content, you know, hopefully wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, but the, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I don't think they're looking at it as a, uh, um, you know, like how, like how big can it be kind of thing. It's just like, uh, man, I really, I really right. like what's going on here and I, I just want to be a part of it. And I wish there was more, I just wish there was, you know, the midsize uh, group that happens in the fall, like, how, how do I do more of that? How do I, you know, the breakfast is once a month. How do I do, how do, I do more of that? And so I, th- I think part of it is uh, somebody who's, who's listening to this is going, okay, what else, can, what else can brotherhood do so that I can have more community? And I think that part of that is, mm-hmm. you know, putting the onus back on the individual to say, Mm-hmm. that's something you can do right now. Like that, it doesn't have to be organized. It can be something that you, you pursue and the brotherhood can be a part of that, an extension of that, or maybe just even the the motivation for that. So I think there's that part of that, but mm-hmm. I, I do think that everybody just looks, you know, sits back and goes, this is something special. This is something unique uh, that, that God is moving in. And if we can be a part of that, um, again, going back to that, you know, mission of God part, and helping other people create a similar experience for their community, for their church, for their city, for their state. That's where I think the, I, I think everybody kind of feels the power in that. And so I'm excited about that because I, I think that's awesome. Um, because, you know, when we talk about you know, what's our next step for, for Johnny and Mark, it was, let's just do a breakfast. And that was, that was a really easy step. Now, fast forward eight years if God was like, okay, hear me out. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have over five hundred people uh, once a month for right. breakfast, and you're gonna have to orchestrate invitations. You're gonna have to orchestrate food. And you're gonna have to do all this stuff. Like Johnny and Mark would have been like, no thanks, that's not me. But as yeah. it's organically grown, <laughs> right? Like then it's like, okay, yeah, God, that was yeah. my next step. So I, I think that uh, for us, it's good for for us to talk through that because it creates that vision, and hopefully awakens in some people like, man, that's something that I can really get behind and I want to be a part of. And, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes just sitting in a room, eating, eating breakfast, listening to a good speaker 
you know, if that's all you want to do, that's great. Like we, we, we want to welcome you, but I think that there is guys in the room that are, are wanting to step up and wanting to do more. And, and they're just, I think they're just on the edge of their seat waiting for the opportunity. Yeah, I think that's true. And I'm glad you hit on this because it's something I did want to talk about today. And that is, I mentioned a little earlier, we've got the explicit things that um, Brotherhood does. Those are the obvious things. It's like we have a breakfast, we have mid-sized groups, we have a shootout, we have a gathering on the lawn, whatever. Like these are all the ways you can I sign like up the gathering or on the lawn show idea. up. We need and, to do that. Yeah. Little Brotherhood yeah, I, hang. I've got something. I, I, we did a calendar meeting yesterday and I said May or June, we're doing some kind of gathering on the lawn, pickleball, uh, food trucks, uh, barbecue, something just, just to hang out. Um, so yeah, th that stuff's coming and those are all the like obvious things, but I think they're, what I love maybe most about brotherhood is the implicit nature of that. It's not a program and it's not a ministry, meaning the, you don't just participate with brotherhood when you show up at those things. And I really hope the listeners hear me out on this. Brotherhood is this fraternity, which is really, you know, we, we associate that with, you know, colleges, but fraternity just means a brotherhood of men. I mean, a band of brothers. And what I love about brotherhood is that as a part of that fraternity, um, there's a lot that's implicit. I think I, I heard the guy talking about this on a podcast a while ago, and he, he says we've lost in our modern culture the fact that oftentimes uh, men were a part of organizations where they lived by a code. And we still have some movies that like use that language. We live by a certain code. And I think we've kind of missed that. We've kind of lost that. And so when somebody asks, how do I engage in brotherhood? I want to go, well, there's the obvious, the explicit things like breakfast, you know, this, that. But there's the implicit things like, how do I represent this fraternity in my own life? Or what is God calling me to do as a part of this brotherhood? It, it's a question that I wrestle with a lot with mountain men, and that is, what are we known for? And I think that is a way to participate in brotherhood, like day in and day out. Pa our founding pastor at Church on the Move, Pastor George, he used to, he used to talk about the difference between um, longing for Santa Claus at Christmas and then coming to an age where you get to be Santa Claus at Christmas. And he, the way he talks about it is like when you're a kid, you're so excited about Santa Claus because Santa Claus is going to bring you something that you long for, that you want. And that's really, really cool. It's really great to get a special present from Santa Claus. But then you become a parent and your children grow to the age of three, four, five, I feel like there should have been a spoiler alert old. on this one, Lee. We got some young listeners that you might have uh... – you might have pulled the curtain back too far. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you may have to cut all of this. Uh, all right, go ahead. I, we'll, we'll, we'll put an 18-plus disclaimer on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, put that on there. This is for adults only. Um, that, you might get a whole different audience if you do that, Evan. Um, go into all the world and preach the gospel, Lee. Let's go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but he talks about when your kids are that age, like there's a different kind of joy when you actually be, get to be the one that is blessing other people's lives. And I think there's something huge about that. Let me give you just a couple of quick examples. John Mitchell has been a part of our brotherhood for a very long time. He's a mountain men leader. He's, he helps lead our prayer team for the breakfast. But recently, God opened up an opportunity for him to take his skills and his gifts 
to put together a book that includes recording and and video stuff where dads can actually have a resource to be incredible dads at Christmas time. There's a tradition here at Church in the Move where Pastor George reads the Christmas story and it's powerful. Anybody that's come to our Christmas services, that's like their favorite moment where there's this beautiful epic music and beautiful epic video on the screen and he reads the story. John takes his skills because he's been a part of our worship team and our arts team. He takes his skills. He packages that in such a way that now dads get to be Pastor George in their home at Christmas time with a beautiful book, with art, with videos that they can show on their screen. And they get to be the ones that read the Christmas story. This is John taking what he has and empowering men to knock it out of the park as dads. Um Mark Delaney is a big part of our brotherhood. He He's developed multiple different ways to mentor and coach men to be better fathers and, and, and husbands and, and disciples. He's taking what he's gained from the brotherhood and his own walk with God. And he, we're not the ones that are facilitating that. He's doing it and it's becoming a benefit to our brotherhood. So like there are these ways that I would encourage men pursue um, opportunities for you to live out the culture and live out the ethos of what brotherhood is. Brotherhood men go, and where they go, things get better. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect. We're going to have bad days. We're going to have arguments with our wife. But but the on balance, we want our wives and our children to say, man, I am so glad that my husband is a part of brotherhood because it's changed the way he lives. That's kind of an end goal for me, is that the brotherhood would would spin off multiple different ways that God is moving among men, not just the ones that we program or put on the calendar or schedule or get signups for. But yeah, those are happening. But then other things are happening where God is leading men, if that makes sense. I just... I. That's one of the things that excites me the most as I look around and see that these guys that are very connected with brotherhood, they're doing their own things that impact the kingdom. And yet they do it with a brotherhood t-shirt on. I mean, they do it like I'm a part of this. And because I'm a part of this, it helps me live this out in a way that's unique to me. Anyway, that that, that part really gets me fired up. I can tell. I can tell. It's, uh, uh, I want to, I want to, run this past you and see if it makes sense. Cause I think I'm picking up what you're laying down. Um, the, uh, I think the analogy that I would maybe tie to it is like, you're saying fraternity, but I, I would almost say like, like when I think of a Marine, like a Marine goes through base camp and they, and they, they, they come in just kind of as from any walk of life. But when they, they go through the other side, there's a self-discipline that's been put in place. There's a, they, they walk different. They talk different. They're essentially a new creation, right? Like, and there's a lot of parallels in, into the Marine journey from what I'm learning to what happens in the, in, in the Bible. Um, and I think that brotherhood as an activity is one thing, but brotherhood as a lifestyle, I think, might, might be more along mm-hmm. the lines. Not saying that it's under the, the brand brotherhood, but really it's just discipleship. It's basically the pursuit of Christ and the outcome on the other side is we live different lives. We live, we live lives modeled by Christ to where we have our own self-discipline. You know, you you think of guys like Jocko, who's going to say like, you know, 
there's freedom in discipline, which sounds counterintuitive, but that's mm-hmm. that's right in line with with what what uh, what Christ teaches. And I think that you know, looking at, if I was to vision cast a little bit to what brotherhood is or will be is beyond a breakfast. Brotherhood is if you're engaged in brotherhood, that you are constantly confronted with a standard of pursuit of Christ that it changes you and mm-hmm. and it encourages you and creates a desire for you to pursue Christ in your home in your in your work in your in every facet of your life to the extent that when you're in conversations with people and they say there's something different about you not not in the uh you know it's a weird kind of thing but there's a freedom there's a there's an assurance right. there's a confidence and they inquire where does that come from and i think that in mm-hmm. that regard like my vision for what brotherhood could be is is we create an environment where people are able to interact with that um to where the the desire is created for them to to go mm-hmm. through the same pursuit and in that path in that in that pursuit there are mentors and and disciples that come alongside and say hey let me encourage you in this. Hey, let me let me let me show you what I've what I've gone through. Let me let me pull back the curtain to show like I, as as confident as I appear, there's definitely times where I'm really just tapping into God's confidence and, and I'm I'm tapping into his plan and I'm stewarding. I'm not always leading, I'm stewarding and 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 just recognizing the difference in that. So the way I would look at it is through the small groups, through the breakfast, through the table sponsors, through even the hangs where we're just doing life together and we're we're intentionally pursuing relationships with our community, with other, with other brothers in our community that we're, we're, we're going at it with open arms and saying, Hey, you know, the, the world culture, all, all these different things is, is kind of showing you like the path of least resistance of what things can be. We're going to show you a harder path, but we're also going to show you a path that leads to freedom, that leads to relationship with Christ, that Mm -hmm. leads to a healthy marriage that leads to all those things that you've desired. And I think is, uh, intrinsically placed in you that you desire to the extent that when you, when you actually see it and realize it, it sings. You're, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a place mm-hmm. where it's like, man, God created me for this and I can see it now. And when you see it, it, it becomes mm-hmm. possible. And when it becomes possible, you can create steps to, to work towards it. So that's, you know, for me, based on what you're saying, I, I believe the direction that, you know, we'd love to see brotherhood go and, and hope that we can continue to invest in. Yeah, that's really well said. And I, I love that analogy. When you see that sticker on the back of that truck that says U.S. Marine Corps, you have in your mind a stereotype of that. And I, and I think some of those, some stereotypes might not be positive, but most around a U.S. Marine would be positive. This is somebody who's disciplined. This is somebody who's willing to sacrifice on behalf of others. This is this is someone who lives by a standard, lives by a code, and they're accountable to the other men who also live by that code. All that is very much, I, I think it's a great analogy, that when people see the Brotherhood sticker on the back of an SUV or a truck, that that means something. It's associated with something that people go, those are a different breed of guys. They live by a code. They live, uh, it's a lifestyle that has a very positive impact on the world around them. Yes, that is a picture of the future of brotherhood. And I'm not saying that there's none of that now, 
but I just think that's where I want us to be. I, lo- I love, I love that analogy, Evan, that, that that's a great way to look at it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to kind of dig into this a little bit further. It, selfishly for me, it was, it was, I want to try to pull this out a little bit more because I, I think that we're, we're mm-hmm. on the, we're on the verge of, of, of a tipping point. And I think that, you know, as we continue to talk about it, um, we, we will set things into motion and, and ultimately release maybe some of that, that, uh, that potential. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to go through this and, and hopefully for all of us, as we sit in the breakfast, or even as we, we commune with each other, it encourages us to look past where we're at today and where we, where we can go. Because again, looking at the, the origins of, of where we started and all the way to 100, 100 is a wonderful thing to celebrate. And it's great to, you know, look at, look at that moment and say, man, look at how far we've come. But I think it's, it's a waste if we just settle where we're at. I, and I, I think we've been talking about it. I think Whit even talked about it in one of the, the, the messages is where in the Bible, whenever the movement stops, the the story ends there's death and i don't want i don't want right. that to to be something for for brotherhood I, I want brotherhood to continue to march on to where there's there's verses and chapters and and ultimately books that are dedicated to it uh, in that sense to where it's like yeah. we're going to a new land we're going to a different place now and and the you know this is this is a part of that growth journey so i'll i'm going to i'm going to kind of like open end it leave it to you to kind of close us out here moving forward into brotherhood as as we continue to go what what would you encourage the guys uh that are listening to this today in terms of their part uh, as as it pertains to brotherhood I would say this is something that we all understand. You get out of something what you put into it. It's just a nature of life. It's a principle of sowing and reaping. Um, maybe some of you that are listening, you've you've dipped your toe in. You've been to a couple breakfasts. You've liked what you've seen. You're curious about it. Man, I would just encourage you, take another step. Be more consistent on the breakfast or try a mid-sized group or get connected to a small group or inquire about mountain men or, you know, um, Take another step and see what God has for you in that. I I feel like we live in a world where a positive vision of masculinity is really hard to find. Almost every picture of masculinity in our culture is a negative one. It's it's toxic masculinity, it's weak masculinity, it's even a confusion of what masculinity and femininity even is from an identity level. And so recapturing a Christ-centered biblical vision for masculinity is not primarily just good for our world. It's good for us. We need to feel like we have our arms wrapped around how biblical Christ-centered masculinity is actually a great benefit to the world around us because it is. And we've lost a bit of that vision. We almost apologize for being masculine. And I'm not at all suggesting we should be domineering. We should demand leadership. We should not care what anybody thinks. That's not the picture I'm painting. This is a masculinity that's based in a a Christ-like strength that brings protection and provision and care and love to the world around us. And I just think the opportunity is remarkable right now for us to step into that kind of seemingly forgotten role of positive maleness. And uh, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? Like, I want to be a part of that. I want part of my legacy to be that we recaptured, we rediscovered 
how important it is to be a good husband and a good father and a good influence in our community and a positive leader. Why not come and be a part of that with us? You know, why not be a part of that tip of the spear because it's desperately needed. So I would just, brotherhood is always going to be an invitation, an invitation to come with us on the thing that we're trying to discover. We're pursuing Jesus. If that interests you, if you're interested in where that might take your life, then come be a part of it. Jump in. Uh, that's what I would say to anybody that might be listening. Wonderful. Thank you, Lee. Brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.